you are listening to Comes a Time with O'Teal Burbridge and Mike Fenoya. If you're digging the podcast, do these guys a favor and review and subscribe. It means a lot. Be sure to follow the pod on social media, YouTube, and if you're joining for bonus episodes and exclusive content, go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. And now, here's Mike and O'Teal. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Comes a Time. Uh, I'm doing another solo episode here because Mike's special, Don't Let Me Down, which I think comes out tomorrow or day after tomorrow. He's busy with all kinds of promotion for that. So please go and support that. By the time this comes out, it will have already been out. But um, that's why it's just me today. And uh, we'll be blasting all of Mike's stuff for Don't Let Me Down. Go, Mike. Go get him. Get him. Get him. But uh, today I have a friend of mine who uh, I just on a long shot DM'd him one time. He's uh, one of the hosts of a podcast called Morning Combat. I've got really into MMA uh, back in 2005 when I had a motorcycle accident and my mom came down to help me out because I was really, you know, like I could just barely shower by myself. And my mother, who worked labor and delivery in an emergency room for decades, is actually the one that turned me on to MMA. And I was like, these guys just are like bar fight idiots. Mom, like, I don't want to watch that. And she was like, no, no, no. They train in all different kinds of martial arts disciplines, and they put them all together. And I was like, okay, this is kind of bloody, isn't it? But my mom has a high tolerance for blood. So... I watched it with her and then I just got hooked and a lot because I don't understand how people could do that for a living. Like I'd be like, you have to be made to do that. Like, why would you go get kicked in the face for your job? Like, why does someone fight? But then when you learn the individual stories, you start to see the, uh, the human story. And then you see some miraculous stuff happen like Anderson Silva. And so I got really into MMA and then fast forward that these podcasts that I was watching, uh, Brian Campbell is his name and Luke Thomas, uh, on this other, uh, MMA podcast that Ariel Helwani had, and they would do like this after show thing. And then they got their own podcast and their chemistry together is just like, I don't know, like the odd couple, like Felix and Oscar or something. And um, I got hooked on it. And they also do boxing and stuff like that because Brian comes more from boxing and Luke Thomas comes more from MMA. But really the magic of the show is kind of their relationship and how funny the whole Felix and Oscar dynamic. And um, so you get your boxing, you get your MMA, but you get all this stuff. And Brian is really into mystical stuff like I am. And Luke is more just like, you know, the science and the statistics. And also we talk a lot about spiritual stuff and I wanted to have him on. So that's what we get into. It's This is not really about MMA or WWE, which he's also into, or music, but we talk about music and MMA and WWE, but it all comes back to the spiritual stuff. And he's really just a bright spirit and a funny guy and i just love him to death and i'm so glad that he did the podcast and it actually went kind of long so if you want the the part after an hour (laughs) 
come to our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod. Um, please like, share, and subscribe. Find us on YouTube. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Um, we're pretty much everywhere you can find them. And uh, I really hope you enjoyed this one. I've had just such a joyous time. He makes me laugh so hard. And I feel like it's just a joy-filled podcast. So you guys enjoy. Love you. Peace. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yes, and I have. Oh, where's my wrestling figure? Hold on. I gotta at least have my Dusty Rhodes and my Macho Man. But I had a cousin who just died last year, and his sisters were like, he would have wanted you to have this. And he gave me this uh, Roddy Piper, uh, one that we used to play with when we were kids. So I'm like, I will treasure this forever. That's awesome. Absolutely. Roddy Piper, dude. I, I do not have that one yet. Uh, but hey, man, it's so great to have you here. I'm so tickled. I have all this stuff written down that, uh, um, 
I think the way we met first, right, was I saw you post something about Jaco Pastorius. Yes. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, BC knows about Jaco Pastorius? Just like, did somebody dose me, you know? So I think I DM'd you or something and sent you a picture like I was just at that park, I think. Is yes, that how it happened? Fort Lauderdale, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I live real close to there. Yeah, I so still that, gotta check that out because we have the 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 home office for CBS down in Fort Lauderdale. I gotta check out that park because that would that would be incredible to see the well, they have a mural of him. Oh yeah, it's a big, huge thing. And I think they actually have concerts there too. So I didn't know the CBS office. I should know that because when you're here, I was thinking you're always in Miami, and that's a yeah. little bit far from Boca. It's it's right across the street from that corporate airport in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, because Fort Lauderdale is close. Like I could get down there easy, but you're always so busy. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Also, so there's not, and then I got to get the kids by three or whatever. But yeah, I mean, um, obviously I'm into the MMA stuff, and used to be into the boxing big time. But I'm from the Muhammad Ali era. Sure. And uh, that was the last that I kind of dropped off of it after him because he was just like brizhnikov of a boxer you know well but, I, mean, um, I was shocked that you were that into mma and to hear the forward progression of you getting into pro wrestling now is just blowing me away in so many cool ways but like when you dm me and they're like oh by the way watch the show all the time can't believe you follow me i mean it's just like are you kidding me and, and i told you it was like you were literally the basis that helped get me into understand like you know you can listen to music for a long time and not, I'm not doing the white man can't jump bit of can I hear Jimmy? You can't hear Jimmy, but you can listen to music for a long time and not really hear certain parts of it. And when I entered into a uh, really obsessive vinyl journey at the start of the pandemic, it was oddly enough, Joni Mitchell that got me crossing over into the jazz fusion realm, which brought on Jocko. But dude, it was watching Dead and Company concerts online and watching your bass work that I'm like, Man, I like this guy standing out to me in a way that that instrument never really has before. And that led me down this incredible, you know, road of Stanley Clark and all our great heroes up and down. But, uh, oh, till I'm here to say you're of that ilk, brother. All right. Thank you. You met the criteria, you know. I appreciate it. I've actually had the chance to meet some of my heroes and and I call it the age of heroes because I feel like they're on another level. There's, There's obviously people of my generation that I feel are on that level, but these guys are just cut. So thank you, because I don't feel that I'm of that ilk. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you always have a little imposter syndrome, and I think that's Indeed. something. Indeed, yeah. And it's one of the things I want to talk about, and I'm sure we'll get to it, because it'll come up again. It's funny about Joni Mitchell, though. I was really into the jazz thing, because I grew up playing jazz drums, <clears throat> and I picked up my brother's bass. And so all the jazz stuff was really my main focus. And then my brother, older brother was into all the fusion stuff, sure. which I liked because we wanted to be like, you know, more hip or more, <laughs> uh, more current. It spoke to more of my age, which had Hendrix and had all these things, you know. But then I remember getting turned on to Joni Mitchell and it was completely left. I didn't really listen to stuff with lyrics. And then so, and that album blue just. It, it was me, a game changer. It was an absolute game changer for me. I, I, me. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes, you know, I, I realize too, sometimes you sort of 
you know, I, I didn't welcome in enough female vocalists across my rock music appreciation. And she is just on an entirely other level that opened me up even deeper into folk, got me into jazz fusion, you know, got me into the idea of alternate tunings and all the crazy things she does. Yeah. I mean, you saw her as much as the Rolling Stones new guitarist countdown was was uh, much maligned for very good reasons. You see the respect they gave Joni in that. And it's like yeah. that's something that years ago you would you would have laughed at. But there was certainly so much deep innovation and, and unique elements to what she was doing. I just never would have thought that that would be my gateway drug to crossing over into jazz through her when her very respectable jazz run was so, I guess I'll use that term again, maligned because people were so like, you know, where's big yellow taxi. I need four more of those. You know what I mean? What, what are you, what are you doing over there with, uh, with this world music over there? But um, it's, yeah, wild. it's like when Dylan goes electric, they're like, yeah, Oh indeed. no, I just never knew in my musical brain, the connection that I would find between sort of the jam band base of the music that I love and so much of us are into, but how closely tied to jazz fusion and really just, just jazz jamming in general can be, you know what I mean? And then that bleeds over into elements of progressive rock and you go deeper into yes. psychedelic rock. And it's just like, it's just removing labels and combining everything. And then at the end of the day, you know, and really that isn't that a mirror of society, Otil? I don't mean to do it. I'm hoping here, but, no, uh, but I'm that's what we to me, all these things are interconnected because I'm one of those spiritual guys that tries to see what we have in common. But I, I'm with you fully. I'm hoping that society will do that, that we will become like a buffet. Yeah. But yes, it's chicken. But I like chicken from India. I like it from Mexico. I like it from Greece. I like it from, you know, like I like it every kind of way. Fried chicken, like all of it. And Joni, the thing, you know, what it was the opposite for me with Joni because I was already into the fusion and she was kind of like this other, I think my older brother Kofi must have turned me onto her. And, um, <clears throat> And then I walk it. Remember Circuit City? I'm dating myself. Oh, yes. Come on. Yes. <laughs> so, and also date to further date myself. Remember the laser disc, which yes. it had this huge apparatus to watch it on, which was like an enormous screen, much bigger than the big flat screens we have now. And the disc, the laser disc was like a, a vinyl album. It right? was only so, about $100 per movie, too. It was a good deal, right? <laughs> I walk into the Circuit City. In, in uh, DC, where I'm from. And I look to the right, and there's this huge apparatus that I've never seen before called the laser disc and the player and the whole thing. And there's Joni Mitchell on it with Pat Metheny, Jocko, Michael Brecker. Donna, yes. my head just starts Lyle exploding. Mays. I'm like, Don Elias. Yeah. I was yeah. like, just again, did somebody dose me? I'm like, what? The? So <laughs> then I go back to the record store. And I'm, and I find out she recorded with Wayne Shorter and Hijira, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter, like Mingus. I'm just like, okay, my brain is melting. So that was, that happened to me in reverse as it did for you. Sure, sure. I mean, just, it's incredible how all those players, and I say this too, by the way, about Jocko's uh, self titled solo debut, the amount of all stars that came out of the woodwork to work with Joni and basically said, you know, you you can criticize this as not being real jazz all you want, but we know what's going on here. It's the same thing when you look at the the credits on Jocko's first record, and you're like, "Oh, Herbie, oh, everyone I've ever loved and Fusion came out for that record." See, that's the that's been the real revelation. I don't even know. Are we recording right now? I don't, I don't, oh I'm yeah, we're we're way you. we're oh, way too. into it. But do you know what the greatest revelation for me through my 
70s vinyl pandemic journey which is ongoing now to levels where there's no floor there's no room left on the floor of my office as my wife and i daily fight about whether it's the records or her who will go first but i'll tell you that the inclusivity in not just the jazz culture but particularly the jazz fusion culture of the 1970s of like the idea that every you know you've got your sort of three or four super groups but everybody's playing on each other's records. I mean, you look no further than Miles Davis to be like, he had the 92 dream team, you know, the, the basketball team equivalent <laughs> on every single major record in the late sixties and seventies. So it's like, there was totally like, Oh, what you got going on over there? Do you need me? I'll help out on that. You don't see that. You don't see that, uh, uh, that, that welcomeness across the board for everybody to help each other out. That was an eye opening. I think it's I think it's happening now. I'll, I don't know if I should say again, but just because the internet has shrunk the world, you know what I mean. So everybody is like the the collaborations are literally global, like. And I think that I I like to think that egg has been cracked open, and then you know you turn on the news and you think, oh god, are we actually regressing? I think they're both happening at the same time, though. Basically, yeah, you know. I mean, is it all cyclical life in the end? I think it does. I think what what does somebody say? History doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. <laughs> it sure does look a lot like it did, you know, 20, 30 years ago in certain aspects. It is it is interesting in that regard. Yeah. And I and even like going forward into like my journey with the jam band scene. You know, that's a total left for me. I thought that I was going to be like a fusion musician. Right? That's what Which, I'm still hoping for, O'Teal. Okay. All right. You know, I'm, I'm well, still hoping that the that the new headhunters will arrive on vinyl soon with O'Teal in their playing bass. All right. Well, I do. I do. Actually, I finally met and played with Bill Summers and Donald Harrison, who play with the headhunters now. And uh, so that's still kind of a dream of mine. But I, again, have this like imposter syndrome thing where I'm like afraid to bug them too much about it, you know. And I'm also in a different phase of my life now. Like it's all focused on the kids. And oh, so everything is different now. But, you know, back when I did think I was going to be a fusion musician, I met this extraterrestrial being named Colonel Bruce Hampton that just and i was living in georgia which was like a different country to me growing up in washington dc one where they hate black people vigorously yes. <laughs> and then i meet this this guy colonel bruce hampton who looks like he should be one of those people he may have technically been white but like that scene in total recall when they peel the skin off he was extraterrestrial right dude he was actually when you peel the skin off he's an old black guy that got trapped <laughs> in that body that was his karma for this life his lesson and the et part for sure because you know he guessed my birthday within four minutes of when i was born and he didn't even i'm pretty sure he didn't know my last name wait within four days or within four minutes four minutes we're talking just like this and then i'm speaking and then he cuts me off and he's like august 24th at two in the morning and dude my entire life changed because i was born in august 24th at 157. wow 
I don't I don't know how that works. I love that. By the way, for any if you need a, you know, a poll of your fan base and I listen to this podcast and love it. The Colonel Bruce stories of this ilk are really the highlights for me, along with <laughs> along with you and Mike talking about imposter syndrome and doing relatable things that me I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going through the same thing. The Colonel Bruce stories are next level. What would you I'm interested because I've heard you tell so many stories like the human brain is already crazy. Like, right. Like we look at certain people. I, I, I saw this when when more Ronaldo, the great combat sports announcer, put yeah. out that documentary bipolar rock and roller on Showtime a few years back. And I remember him telling me at the premiere, uh, just basically like. There's a stigma attached to like being bipolar in his case, but nobody talks about the other side of it, the gifts, the, the ability that. When you look at somebody like like the character Dustin Hoffman portrayed in Rain Man, you're like, OK, yes. you know, we would label that from a distance as sort of a disability. But look at the the brilliance of the mind. Do you think Colonel Bruce was using deeper levels of his brain or was it was this man a time traveler that reappeared well, in a white guy's body playing psychedelic music? I don't get it, but I want to know more. This is why I wanted to have you on because this gets back to the spiritual part. And I do want to have your partner, Luke Thomas, on the podcast back to further unpack this. But this an intervention, is if you will. Yes, yes. An intervention <laughs> no, no, no. I really want to. Like, I'm just, you know. We'll, we'll circle back around to that later, but it, it, it speaks to this, these things of the impossible. And we saw him brush up against it watching what just happened with Francis Ngannou, which I want to circle back around because it's like 15 impossibilities that all got surmounted into a swish that no rim just right through the net. And that's when it's impossible. So when you meet someone like a Colonel Bruce Hampton, or a Sun Ra, or trying to think a lot of artists, a lot of the weirdos, the freaks, you know, I think they are ET. I think there's a, a we get lost in semantics, which happens a lot. Sure. When we talk about God, right? And all these things like, what is it? Is it the angels could be the extraterrestrials. Like in a past time, they said it was an angel or go back farther. They said it was a fairy or a leprechaun or an elf, or then you come up now and they say it's a, a alien, but they all appear the same the light. There's a beam of light. There's like, you know, miraculous happenings, right? You see it in the Bible. You can go back before it and you can come up to right now and it all looks the same. So I don't know, like the mystical thing basically is that mist part, which is mystery. We don't know. Indeed. 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 Now we and can we always... use the science. The science is real, but it's one half. It's like you're only, you're only ever going to be half right. So what is it with Colonel Bruce? What is it with Francis Ngannou? What is it with you and me? Sure. Haven't we been through some impossibilities to get where we're at? I, my whole life is a, is a living miracle. I think yours is too. I, I you know, you know what? I, I don't want to go too far down this road because it's a it's a rabbit hole. But I've seen a lot of miracles in my life, and a lot of that was tied to my my twin sons, who are fifteen now, healthy, thriving, doing amazing. But they were <laughs> born like four and a half months premature, less than two pounds each, given no hope to live. Right, all that yeah. stuff, and like yeah. that, you know, their survival of each surviving six surgeries in the first year, just many crazy, like literally crazy things of like 
uh, body parts regrowing on the inside after doc after legions of doctors were like it's impossible you should take him home take a lot of pictures and his liver will fail in a month and and you know you had a good run and 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 through some <laughs> experimental medicine we we're able to get to the next level but it opened my eyes in so many ways that this isn't a religious story no, spiritual connections of life. It, and it can be. I, I entered into a new level of spiritual understanding by sort of having a miraculous turn away from drugs in my 20s into like a sort of a born again Christian arc. And I still align with a lot of that. But, you know, there's a major difference in life and how we interpret religion and and spiritualness or whatever the word you want to use in that regard. It's the semantics think, again. The semantics. It's the man. It's the man. You you insert man into this equation and we'll ruin things pretty quickly. I mean, the Bible historically shows us that. But again, it's not even necessarily about the Bible or whatever I personally yes. believe. There's an open connection. I think we all have if we look deep and some of us deeper than others in our life to just oddities, miracles, ridiculousness. And one thing I've learned along the way, going through my kids issue or seeing my own life go from various levels, like a lot of people can relate to of being as down as you can. And then coming all the way back is just yeah. that, that like, a, we have no idea how any of this around us works. So let's not, you know, we can, we can quit writing books trying to claim like we do, but I think like even deeper than that, there's just such a next level understanding to life that that the that the limited options of our own human brain have through our own life experiences have taught us to believe that there's walls around us but the reality is for me to be here achieving what i have for you to be here achieving what you have in ganu anyone across the board i learned about miracles when i was in a nicu watching other kids that were born to yeah. great families and the kids just didn't survive and you got to ask yourself why why me not them i don't know but you realize yeah. that every single successful birth is a miracle a so, series of so miracles like a bunch series. of miracles so yeah. here's what i want to say while the, while i'm not trying to do a tony robbins bit i want to tell you this why do we be, believe so much in practicality when all we do in life is celebrate the impractical things whether it's our famous <laughs> artist or athlete or medical miracles or whatever we are constantly celebrating the supernatural yet choosing to live behind the walls of practicality folks Nothing about the, the good things that have happened in your life have been practical. Nothing about them from your birth until now. It's almost like wake up to what's really going on. Up. That's why I love this dynamic between you and Luke. It mirrors a dynamic that I had with the original drummer for the Almond Brothers, Butch Trucks, mm. when I, who knew me before I had my big uh, conversion experience, right? And he just couldn't believe... He was like, how could you, I just don't understand. But he liked who I was much better afterwards. And I would always hammer him. I'm like, how can you not believe you're a millionaire because of what you cannot measure? So I love how you framed it in a different way. I frame it as, and it's like a, my new mantra, there is no such thing as science without magic because what's doing the measuring? Our consciousness, which you cannot measure. So then you have to, basically put it in the same box with magic mumbo jumbo right because you can't physically measure it it's like what you're saying we all we want to live practically like that which we can measure scientific materialism right there is nothing more but yet you always are focused on the impossible the spectacular the long shot the how do you explain that and watching luke like 
talk like rub right up against it with Nganu. It's like, but what about you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, look, I felt he was really you cool. Can't explain. About it. I can't explain as a combat sports journalist, which is a big part of why you're talking to me. Why Francis Ngannou, a 37 year old muscular MMA fighter who has been off for two years, can walk into a boxing ring against the undefeated heavyweight champion, greatest fighter of this era, and a guy we were grooming. To, for inclusion in like the top 10 greatest heavyweights of all time against names like Alif, uh, nor, yeah, I mean, names like, sorry, uh, Joe Lewis, names like Jim Jeffries, all these, you know, names that are hundred years ago in some cases. And yet he walked in there and nearly won the fight, won the story of the fight and continually proved that uh, I guess, you know, like we call Colonel Bruce uh, an alien. Maybe you can justify it as well. Francis is just an alien who can pick up a sport on, on you know, on no practice and just step right into the highest level. That's a little bit blurred because this guy's life story from leaving... clearly human. Clearly. Yeah, clearly born in Cameroon, <laughs> working in like the salt mines at age. There, there were sand, sand Same mines. Man. And I'm like, that's like out of Star Wars. <laughs> It is. Sam, I'm moving Sam from one place. But who who decides at 26 that this isn't the life for me? I think I want to become the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. This is literally Francis Ngannou's life story. Leaves Cameroon to go to France, gets detained in a Spanish jail for months for trespassing, ends up in Paris homeless. Wasn't living he arrested? In his car, Wasn't he arrested, arrested six times crossing like crossing borders, like kept exactly. getting rearrested? But had this vision this calling in his mind that i think a lot of people can relate to when there's that that one thing that you haven't done that's itching at you and all the signs and clues are like you know what i i don't know why but i feel like i should try this i feel like i should accomplish this that led him to homelessness in paris where he ends up sleeping in an mma gym and eight years later he's the ufc heavyweight champion of the world which already right there it's like a disney movie waiting you could stop right? right there exactly you could stop right there but then he goes on to take the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. Everybody, including you and me, Francis, we apologize. Okay, you've already done your apology. There's mine. And then we see, but now you and me are better prepared for it because my whole life, all I do is, it's like I'm looking for my kids and they're lost at Disney. I'm looking wide for the impossible, for the anomalous. I'm looking for that next Colonel Bruce. I'm looking for that weird coincidence. And then, so Nganu does that and we're like, okay, folks that don't believe, but Luke nailed it. He said his level of self-belief. I was like, you're talking about magic, Luke. That's it. And look, I, I say it all the time and the MMA fans get mad at me. There was a magic guiding Conor McGregor in 2015 there was. and 16. We saw it, Eb, just like a, a wave, a surfer's wave coming in, and then so, it goes away, right? But we saw it. We're like, uh-oh, here it comes. And he I knew it. He could feel it. I to explain it as he met the very peak of what his powers can be. He needed to be in the best shape of his life. He needed to have done the training. He needed to have just the kind of vision and self-confidence that a natural, everyday citizen has no concept of. But what we're also missing in the Zingano story, by the way, to compare it to what McGregor did, or if you want like pro sports comparisons of what magic looks like, I mentioned Tim Tebow winning an NFL playoff game when he was counted out and yet drives all the way down. Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity, you remember that with the Knicks where he's scoring 40 on Kobe and hitting buzzer beaters, but yet never could replicate that. What I saw Ngano do following the UFC business like I do, the journey of him to just get out of his contract to become a free agent. 
he had to defend his title against an unbeaten guy with one leg because he had torn his <laughs> MCL and PCL three weeks before, told by everyone that you may not even be able to walk again if this goes bad. Why would you take this fight? Including his doctor. He was like, you're insane if you fight on this. I thought so, it was broken three ways. or You might be. It ways. might be. I'm, I'm just touching the headlines here. And then he here. won that fight. <laughs> and then he wins that fight. So to fast forward to him doing the performance, dropping Tyson Fury and having a argument to have won it based on scoring criteria. I have to ask myself this, and I said this in morning combat, but I want to ask you in, in how you apply this to your life. Obviously, there's life lessons to be learned there, or at least inspiration to be taken. You can easily say, well, look, I'd love to be six foot five and jacked like Nganu. Maybe that would be easier to do what he did. I'm not talking about you or I going to fight the heavyweight champion of the world of boxing. I'm talking about what in our life, what kind of calling or what kind of dreams or what kind of aspirations are constantly knocking at your door, but you're yeah. pushing them away because that feels so irrational. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't yes. have the experience. I'm too old. I'm too young. Insert your own sort of things. Absolutely. Is Nganu special because he's been injected with magic or is Nganu or 2015 Conor McGregor or any, you know, or name Taylor Swift, like name whoever you look at. Yeah. That's just doing. I mean, didn't Taylor Swift have the top 10 singles all at once in the Billboard countdown, which has never even been not even the Beatles did things that you're just like, I yeah. don't even know how they got there. Did they get there because they just refused to stop believing at a level that is beyond you know, spiritual or religious at a at a level that the same thing that gets us to get up, get out of bed, grab food, breathe in the air. Is that yeah. the same calling on their lives that no matter what, I have to get to this point and accomplish this? Can we have access to that? It's well, I think, deal. I think we definitely can. And I do. I think it's different for everybody because some people are just so wrapped up in what they're doing that they're not even. I don't know if they're even thinking about it. Like they're kind of in this bubble and maybe success just happens and all these things flow. I think definitely lots of circumstances have to come together for, for anyone to get to these levels that they get to. Um, but absolutely to answer your question, I think the answer is definitely yes. And that's what I'm always trying to pass on to my kids. That's what I'm always trying to pass on to my students. That's what I try to pass on to everyone. It's the reason I have a podcast. The whole reason I have a podcast is to talk about this. We could talk about professional wrestling. It's going to get back to this. We could talk about music. It's going to get back to this. We could talk about politics, religion, whatever, food, you name it. It all comes back to this because everybody is, it's like the buffet thing. Every different way you can come at it is another way you can do it, whether it's all the different religions or all the different types of sports or all the different types of music or all the, it's the, you know, they're all to show us that all the ways are good ways to do it. So yeah, we definitely can tap into that. I've, I've never been ambitious. What I did was I pictured no ceiling. And I also pictured no borders. So because I was a fusion musician, that eliminated, I was like, That's so we're point. mixing everything. Sure. That was a good foundation to sort of, uh, you know, the idea of just splashing colors together, right? Just And that's why I think New Orleans is my favorite place on earth, because it is that gumbo of everything that, you know, in American music, New Orleans is the only place where Africans were allowed to keep their drums in America, wow. right? 
and it's because of this French influence somehow. And so you don't have any rock and roll. You have nothing that has drums on it. Do you have, if that didn't happen in New Orleans and all that gumbo, that fusion of all the different cultures and musics and, you know, you have blues and gospel and European classical music and some French, you know, uh, also that whole Cajun, you know, it's just all sure. mixed together. And I think it all led, it's like a natural progression. Like, yeah, you got to remove these borders. You have to remove all the no's. You have to remove all the impossibilities. Like, yes, it's possible, even if it's a long shot. And, and I do believe, because I ask people that don't believe, I go, hasn't anything miraculous happened to you? Or just something weird, a coincidence? There's this one guy, Ned Mudd, and he's, he's a great guy, environmental lawyer, and uh, a total freak, music like the Colonel Bruce type. And I said, anything weird happened? He goes, no. He goes, well, there was this one time I was about to pull into an intersection and it was blind. And a voice in, right next to me said, no. And he stopped and a truck just went, wham. He was like, I would have for sure been dead. And I was oh like, my God. And you just go on with your life. Not me, man. I want to know what, because the timing, right? Like you've seen the miracle you see on the NICU. My son was in the NICU. And, I, you know, so I, I just interview people and I'm like, what? Didn't something <laughs> weird happen? Most of the time it did. It did. It, it did. I mean, in life is an occurrence, like a, a repeating occurrence of that. I just wonder, even in the success we've had in our own professions and whatever platform we think we, you know, own or or are borrowing for the moment to share whatever, you know, our joy, our heart, our message with people. What if I'm just not believing enough? What what am I capable oh, yeah. of? You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like what like that's that's a that's, that's the a, immediate question. That's the, see, that's the stuff that gets me enthused and gets out of bed and gets me, you know, fired up and wondering again, because it is we do get only one go around. We tend to spend so much of it tied up in our own, you know, grief or hurt or 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 fear. Man, if I could share one. It's, it's funny. You say, like, you're disguising this show. You can come to this show because you love O'Teal's music, but you're going to get a lot of O'Teal's. Oh, yeah life vision you're gonna experiences. get it <laughs> sorry and i'm the same thing with this show i mean you know morning combat it, it wins these awards you can come because you want to hear who, about who won the ufc fight and who could be in the next heavyweight boxing fight but i always jokingly tell people the truth it's really a show about the ups and downs the growth of men the ideas of like we're all in this together i may be behind the microphone you may be listening in your ear pods while you're doing grocery shopping but I'm a 45-year-old washed dad, probably like a lot of people listening to my show. I can relate. I'm sharing my life. Uh, I'm trying to share what's going on in the combat sports world through the prism, like you're saying, of of, li of life, limitless opportunity, belief. And uh, it's and people it, don't it's, see those like heartwarming. Like I never would have thought Colonel Bruce used to do, be a professional wrestling manager. And I believe it was Georgia Championship Wrestling, like back in the, when it was just nice. the territory. That makes a lot of sense, by the way, that you just said that. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. But I never, I, I was like, that's all fake. I just, you know, I just wrote it off like people would write off aliens or whatever. I, did, I wasn't like, oh, I hate it and that's bullshit. But it was just like, yeah, no. Right. And then fast forward, it finally hits me. And then I get into all the interviews. Um, 
thanks to Mick Foley and Stone Cold Steve Austin and his show and all the interviews with these people that I watch with Mark Henry. And Mark Henry has all these records that still have not been broken. In oh, and weightlifting. Yeah, I would have considered a legit sport, right? And they haven't been broken yet. He's still technically the world's strongest man. <laughs> but he said his WWE Hall of Fame ring is the thing he's most proud of. And and when I see the when I learn the whole story and when I learn the Mick Foley's whole story and all these different guys' whole stories, I'm crying. I'm watching a documentary and I'm in tears watching a documentary about Beth Phoenix, Glamazon. You know, like I mean, seriously. And people don't think of professional wrestling and mixed martial arts as heartwarming. But you and I, if I was crying when I got oh when God. I dude, when that was I was crying because my heart was so moved by what was happening. And so that's why I want people to understand, like my wife doesn't get it. She's like, this professional wrestling is so stupid. Like she <laughs> hates that I watch it with my kids and that they love it. And so I just like approach it on the level, hey, it's just like before there was cartoons, these were the comic strip caricature. Sure. They're comic book heroes and villains, right? But their stories are deep and the entries, yes, it's scripted, but Mick Foley had his ear ripped off. I mean, these guys have a harder time getting out of a chair than my 87-year-old mom. Sure. Uh, they gave all for entertainment, made those they towns, gave... but but it's... And why? Why? This is what I want. Why? Why do people fight MMA? Oh, I'm going to work, honey. And they get kicked in the head and punched in the liver and, and they come back with blackouts. I'm home from work. What time's dinner? Like, why? Why would you do that? I have to know. I'm curious, you know? I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, we always think of them as, well, they're crazier than we are. And that, that can be in some cases, right? It's you can have a distorted view of the dangers, I guess, and the risks of it. Others is just, look, that's their calling. That's their skill that they've developed and they want to sort of compete on the largest level. Maybe people are getting into it for the vanity, the money. There's all different reasons, but it's those moments that you just identified, the Nganu moment, Bre breakthrough. Anytime there's the, I said this, I don't know if there's MMA fans that, can, that remember when the great Amanda Nunes, who recently retired from the yeah. UFC, two division champion, when she was upset a couple of years ago by Juliana Pena, a fighter that I completely wrote off didn't have the requisite <laughs> big wins coming in, had been injured for a while. Like all these things of like, why is she even here? And she wins this miraculous fight that to me can only be explained as the triumph of the human spirit. And I'm dominant. like, that is why I watched this for yeah. that moment right there. Because at the end of the day, do you know what gets me in the weirdest moments when you're in, like when you're at the soccer game for your kids and you're mingling with the other parents or you show up at the banquet, you know, and what do you do for a living? And inevitably I'm like, oh, I cover, uh, boxing and cage fighting and i used to cover pro wrestling at the highest level for four years too and people are you know selling insurance and just like oh what's wrong with this guy but sometimes they'll ask the questions of like you know what why why do you do that and to me i'm always been a sports fan but i think you can understand this watching the fight game it's the closest thing to real and obviously it's real in the fact yeah. that it's a sporting event and there's going to be a winner and the violence is very real but it can be literally life or death, especially in boxing with the fact that there's these softer padded gloves, which can lead to sustained damage. It can literally be life or death in there. Yet I am constantly inspired by people overcoming. I'm watching my own life take place in the course of a boxing match where somebody yeah. gets dropped, 
gets up off the canvas, dusts themselves off, regains their focus and their hunger and their spirit and goes after it. I'm like, that's my entire life playing out in front of me <laughs> with two shirtless men fighting for millions of dollars. But it's sort of like, I don't know. It's weird. I Maybe I try to frame it as that to cope, to, to, to justify. No, I don't think so. But like, do you go through this in in your profession, Otil, where you you stop yourself a lot and go, "What am I adding to the world? What am I?" Well, you know, I don't. But because this is, I did it a long time ago when I committed to playing music, and I, the thought was, okay, well, I won't be adding harm, right? And I won't be doing something that I dislike myself, so I won't be harming myself, you know. And as a musician, I wanted to add something different. I was like, what are you going to do that's different than everybody? Why should, I don't even want to say, why should anyone care? You do, but you do have to admit that you do want people to care, you know? Yeah, you want people artist, to you know? recognize but, your work. You want them to be what interested you... in what you're doing. But I'm always like, when I look at doctors, teachers, you know, preachers, anyone that you consider a, a profession where it's like, wow, they are, we can't live without these people. They are adding yeah. something valuable. I guess maybe I've come to my own set of terms, similar to what you're saying that I just try to share joy and you don't yes. typically think you're going to get joy from like an MMA podcast or hear me calling fights, but I'm trying to, at the very least say, I know how hard this life is. If you, if I'm lucky enough that you choose me for your entertainment outlet, where you're just going to turn off the world, just like I do every night after dinner, where yeah. I'm like, hold on kids. I got to go play video games for a half hour. Dad's got to go <laughs> find himself again. Like everybody's got their outlet, but you chose me. So it's yeah. up to me. I'm responsible to, to redeem your time and challenge you, bring you joy, bring you thought provoking thoughts. Maybe it's easier for you on the music because, because music can, can connect so easily with people that they're just sort of like in your awe in your presence because of what's happening inside of them but i love to hear that you've sort of come to terms with what your role is given the platform you have what your real role is beyond just i sell records and i help bands sound great right yeah because like, you can you could do just that too uh, my problem was i was like i couldn't get myself together it's like well and i'm just naturally not a suicidal person but i was a hopeless i felt sure utterly hopeless and my thinking was well at least i can make other people feel good when i play so i'm gonna feel like shit and feel like i can't do it and feel like it's impossible for me to get better and apprehend that joy or just a clear conscience you know <laughs> um but then i was able to buy a miraculous happening you know i was just like going along like okay life is not going to be that long you know eventually i'll die and i will have not done any harm but then something miraculous happened and it just changed my life you know and um and it has continued like i wouldn't have my kids i wouldn't be married now my whole life would not look like this none of it if it wasn't for that singular event so but i i think at the end of it all, my same thing is to bring joy. That's what it is. We got enough bringing of all the other stuff, sure. you know? And I think uh, I, I'm so grateful to you because you guys, <laughs> you have, you're, even your type of humor is, was not my favorite. Like, you know, the dick jokes and the, 
I was like, kind of, and I'm just, this is like a confession. I was like, this is kind of like a frat boy thing, you know, which is funny because Luke's the frat guy, not I, you, you know. I'm not even a frat guy. That's not how I talk in my regular life, but it's just sort of like tapping into a, a part of the old me. Yeah. But I, but I realized that over time watching you and Luke interact. And then I was like, oh, he's my favorite guy on earth. You know? <laughs> it was a good lesson for me of like how you judge people, which happens to me all the time. I'm not over it, you know, but you came to be like, I needed it. I needed it in here. Oh, yeah. I would laugh, you know, and all this stuff, the pandemic, all this shit, you know. So uh, I just want to thank you for that. And I'm hoping Good that Lord. other people that wouldn't ever see me as the MMA WWE Jesus guy, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I want them to understand why I feel this way and, and hopefully. Not that they convert to watching MMA or WWE or Jesus, but at least they understand why, you know? I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. All right. Oh, so I got a big question for you. Okay. Could I, could I, could I get in here on <laughs> yes, this? Yes, go for it. Cause you shocked me. I look, you say, man, nice things about listening to my show. And again, I still can't believe that you, that you do because I listen to your work all the time. And I remember, by the way, the first great concert I ever went to, by the way, Allman Brothers 98 Hartford. That was your first year in the band. That was so me. I was the, the greatest, second year, but yeah, that was me. That's the first great concert I ever went to where it changed my life. No and that way. Was, and that was, you know, and I'm a huge Dicky guy and he was still with yeah. the band then. And so the fact that I can text you on the regular and be like, <laughs> what's it like playing with Dicky as opposed to playing with, you know, insert great Allman band member or dead member. But what I also can do is get to know you the man and be inspired by you and when you share with me that this far into your career and i know you share this before on the podcast like you're dealing sometimes unannounced unscheduled with incredible performance anxiety crippling performance oh, yeah. anxiety really man, as far as i've come in my broadcasting career which is about 10 years now and, and a little bit of a late bloomer but blessed to be doing really fun things calling live boxing fights all the dreams of my heart i've largely got it under control but what the heck is it? And I'm sure this is relatable for anybody who's got to do public speaking Anything. or sometimes yeah. even just to pick up the phone, man. Do you know how much I hate the phone because of the apprehension and the anxiety on the other side? How the heck does this happen to even like somebody like you, this advanced into your career? What do you think that is where any given day it just hits you and you're like, oh, I'm not leaving this bed for four hours until we go live. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in it right now. I'm in it. You know? I think it's just a certain amount of imposter syndrome never leaves or maybe not. Maybe it's not imposter syndrome. Um, what you get known for is you on your best night. Ooh. So now that's the floor that I'm standing. I guess I should put it down here. <laughs> that's the floor that I'm standing on. Well, what if it's not my best night? What if I know I do not, like, I'm almost sure it's not going to be my best night, which I've been wrong about many times. The other, uh, so I just have to deal with it. Greg Allman helped me with it because Greg never stopped getting nervous. In fact, he sweat through probably four shirts a night. I remember running Are you serious? into This is his, uh, incredible information. Wow. His ex-wife. And, you know, after about a week on the road, everybody's doing laundry kind of on that same day, you know. And, and Stacy comes dragging the largest laundry bag I've ever seen in my entire. It's like a laundry bag for a family of six. And they're all, it's all in one bag. 
And I was like, holy crap. And she goes, well, you know how nervous he gets. He sweats through one shirt from the hotel onto the way to the gig. (laughs) That's incredible to hear. And so I asked him about it. I was like, hey, man, you still get nervous too? He goes, man, it never went away. And if it did, it might worry me at this point. But I mean, you know, he was my age at that point, right? Uh, This was 20 years ago. So, yeah. And I just thought some people don't get nervous and some do. I try to use it as fuel. It almost became a real problem because at 19 years old, I discovered vodka. I discovered kamikazes. And I was in a bar and I was so nervous. It's my first like professional gig. I've moved away from home. And I said, and I don't know anything about alcohol. I was like, can I get a drink maybe to calm me down? And they was like, well, what do you want? I was like, do you have like a lemonade? What is basically a lemonade with vodka? And they said a kamikaze. So I was like, good, give me that. I drank two of those and it was like, yeah. So then that becomes a real problem a few years down the road, the drinking. I could see that. It it took away my fear. So then I had to learn later to just like, you know, <laughs> deal well, with it. Because it can attack so aggressively out of nowhere, even after, you know, a stretch of where you've got it under control and you're succeeding. I, I often question, is it supposed to be there? You know, because sometimes you're dealt yeah. with the either I'm going to ignore it. and But other times you're like, no, I've got to go through it. I'm never, you know, you're never yeah. really sure how to handle it. Like when you said, Greg mentioned, you know, I'd be scared if I wasn't. I look at Bill Russell, right? The winningest NBA player in history, 13 championships in 11 years. He threw up before every single game. And if wow. he didn't throw up, Bob Cousy would be like, somebody go tell Russ to puke so we can go out there because we're just so used to it. I'm wondering if that if that became fuel for him at some point, right? Is it is it a necessity to force you to rise to another level? That's an interesting thought. Maybe just for him. Like, you know what? They I feel like, and this you know this from reading the New Testament, where I believe they don't say it explicitly, but well, Jesus does say it. Remember where Paul says everyone is given one flaw that they can't overcome to to keep them humble before god don't go thinking you're what yeah because if you walk past the slot machine i got you yes if that you walk past that woman with the big with the, you're you're gonna fall yeah. right well if i go it's to the gas station the, with the delta tens i'm in trouble you know? <laughs> you're gonna eat the wrong thing but i think on the other side we each get a superpower and so maybe however our thing is wired Part of the tab of our superpower is this incredible nervousness, which we can use as fuel. We just have to accept that it is what, like you say, we have to deal with it. How we deal with it is however we deal with it. But let's let's accept that it is real and it's there. Would you think that's similar to, you know, sometimes people will say, you know, you got any advice on how to get through a breakup? And I'm always just like. I can only tell you from my experience, you got to go through it. Like you can't avoid it. You can't run yeah. from it. Do you think that's similar to sort of how we deal as humans with grief, disappointment, fear, all of that, that if you're not willing to unpack it and go through it, you really can't be done with it. No, you will sense? get stuck. And I mean, you can get stuck till it kills you and end your life early. But I always say, I think in terms of spirituality. And so I tell people, I hope you don't have a problem with God and spirituality, but here's how I look at it. A lot of times things, you ever had just had a door slammed in your face? Like all of a sudden you just lost your job or lost a girlfriend or just, and you're just like, why did this bad thing happen? 
I go, wait, because if you wait almost all the time, if you look back on it with hindsight, you'll be like, oh, this great place that I'm at now would not have happened if that, and it's, a, I believe, a spiritual law. We have the free will to hold on to something even though it's not good for us anymore or choose it even in the first place. It's up to us. And sometimes just by the grace of God, like I will do with my son, Nigel, while we'll sneak up behind him and pull the Nintendo out of his hand and go, it's over, <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like whatever the universe or the forest or God or whatever you want to call it, sometimes just pulls that thing out of your hand for you because it cares. It is love. Yeah. It's proactive. And later on, you'll realize, you know, it's like the cliche, you can't, God can't give you something when you're holding on to something else. You have to turn it loose. That's true. Indeed. That's true. So I, I, when I, when I pray for stuff, I go, if it's for my higher good, please give it to me. And if it's not implied in that is that you'll shut the door and I'm cool with closed doors. You broke up with me. Cool. That means Ms. is right. Exactly. Right. It's, it's, it's got, if it's a superpower <laughs> to have that perspective that that a closed door be. leads to an open one like when, when you just said what you said it triggered a, a turning point in my career i was working at espn i was an underpaid editor 20 uh fifth, late 2015 i'm getting gigs on tv doing boxing doing all this stuff that like is screaming i could be somebody i could be somebody yeah. and i went for a long run one day and i sure sort of heard this, heard this voice in my head that i guess i'll subscribe ascribe to god jesus wherever i want to frame that as that basically Guardian said angels that basically said, uh, get ready. You're going to go through a season where everything that matters to you will be taken away. But, Ooh, you but, got, you got but, a heads up about it. A few times in my life, I've been lucky enough to quiet down and stop worrying enough to hear this. But the mm. voice said, uh, if you allow time for the crops to grow, the harvest will be like, unlike anything you've ever seen. So guess what happened within the next week? Everything that I thought I had at ESPN at the time that gave me identity, I had a podcast that got shut down the next week. I, for three years, was co-host of a digital boxing show where I sort of, you know, kind of started to say, maybe I can do this. That got shut down unannounced the next week. New boss came into the department and said, I know you like boxing a lot. I know you fancy yourself a writer and a broadcaster one day. But we really need you on this MMA side right now. We're moving you over to become the editor of <laughs> MMA. You're not going to be writing about or covering boxing anymore. You're blah, blah, blah. And it's incredible how it was literally everything within my job that I thought like was something I've built. Steps that I'm going to climb. Your identity. Your very identity, identity right? <laughs> but guess what happened within six months? I'm at every single UFC pay-per-view sitting in the front row covering Conor McGregor's rise, writing post-fight columns that are on the front page of the website the next day, brainstorming an idea later that summer. You know what? I wonder if ESPN could get into pro wrestling coverage. What would that look like? Everybody said it would never happen. I helped launch the site a month later. Like it just, you know, all these things, all these opportunities the following year, I moved to CBS sports, get a full-time writing broadcasting job. And then from there, it's just incremental. But how many times in your life does something that you thought you had planned just change and we hit despair, we run in the other direction, we go, this is my sign that it's over. Then I remember what that voice said. If you don't allow time for the crops to grow and get watered, you know, you can never get to that next level. And, and you know, I've heard some dire warnings in my spirit in the past, some that have been incredible that I can share. I mean, a week before my kids were born, 
four and a half months premature. I'm at wow. church and there's a there's a wow. traveling sort of prophet there that's offering, hey, anybody want prayer afterwards? Get in line. I go, hey, let's see what we got here. I get in line. <laughs> My kids were not expected to be born for another four and a half months. And a man goes, your kids will be coming early. They will be very ill. Whoa. There will be questions about whether they will survive. But just so you know, these two will grow on, go on to serve God and be raised up and li live incredible lives. But I need you to not believe what the doctor is about to tell you. Wait Imagine. a minute. And you had no idea. There was no indication no, that they no were going to be born believe, premature. No reason to believe it's 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 uh, it's the end of January. They're supposed to be born in late May. No reason to believe they're coming. And a voice that you're expected to trust in that moment is like, I need you to not believe what the doctors are about to <laughs> tell <news>. you. <laughs> Six days later, my kids are born four and a half oh. months premature, less than two pounds told they're never going to make it needed surgery on the first day just to survive. Like my son comes out blue and they run him to the back. You know, it comes out of the womb blue. They run him to the back. You're just like, and I yeah, am going to make it. Yeah. And I'm tasked every single day for two years. Oteal during all crazy surgeries and being told this and that the organs are going to fail all that I'm tasked. Should I believe some random dude who may or may not have been speaking into my life? But at some the point, impossible! but at some the point impossible. I came to this realization because there was another baby next to us in the NICU. His dad was a famous major league baseball player. I won't say it cause oh. it, it exploded, but they were like, the parents did not come to visit this child one time in four months. It's just too hard for them. He's just sat there. Wow. And I remember thinking me wow. believing, even if it's absurd, yeah. me believing while my kids are in these incubators, you can't touch them. You can't pick them up. Yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. The only thing I can do as a parent to provide, to protect is to believe. I'm lucky I came to that realization. And that be I'm not there and going... have your energy next to them. Exactly. Which I think they can feel. But I you do, know what man. decision I had to make, O'Teal? And maybe, I'm not going to compare myself to other people, but maybe it's similar to the decision that Noah faced in the Bible when tasked with building this ark, right? Because yeah, the world's going to be wiped out. Believe in the impossible. Maybe it's Francis Ngannou going, you know what? I'll fight Tyson Fury right now in a non-title fight because I just need to show you guys. There was some level of me that said, this is the only thing I can protect my sons and add to. I will do this. And it worked wow. out. And I don't know how. But sometimes, O'Teal, we do get that wow. that 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 deep, small voice that is trying Dude. to get our attention. And because uh, I, I would have the story would have been enough without this guy telling you <laughs> that so whole part is just like things. it led <laughs> me to do crazy things where on day two of my son's life and he's about to have another surgery and the, and the, the doctor's like, look. He was born without his windpipe attaching to his stomach. It'll never grow back. We're going to have Can't to stretch breathe. it in a, in a month yeah. and do a dangerous surgery. I'm like, well, what if it just grows back? He goes, impossible. I remember without even thinking, <laughs> without even thinking, I just looked him in the eye and was like, no, sorry, doctor, not my son. He'll be fine. He'll be just fine. You'll see. Without even knowing who authored those words. And guess what happened? One month later, when they opened him up to do the surgery, the thing had grown all the way to it attached until it was sitting next to the stomach where it needed to be attached. Okay. Like, <laughs> Hey man. I, and, and you know, these things are written about over and over again. You know what I'm finding it? out? A lot of these, this, this is a false narrative that's out here for some people science and religion are opposed to each other or science and the mystical let's take religion out of sure. it but a lot of these impossible things 
show up in all the religions, but we'll just table that, right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's a lot of scientists out there that have not only had paranormal, anomalous religious experiences, some of them are very religious, like Isaac Newton. But, you know? I yeah. didn't know that. Galileo was doing astrology readings for people all the time. Newton arguably spent more time studying alchemy than he did like what we call Newtonian physics, right? But, and all along the way, scientists coming down ones that we know, and then, and I'm starting to find these accounts of them where they mentioned it, but nobody talks about it. In academia, we just, we brush, we just don't mention it. Well, that we can't mention much... it. We also can't mention it for insurance purposes if you're a doctor, right? We can't give you false but, hope. We know but this. With, yeah, but when you got a Nobel Prize for your polio vaccine and you admitted publicly, it's in print that you got it in a dream. Yes. What do we do with that? So, you know, don't Einstein, Max Planck. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on and on and, on, and I will. I'm going to do a whole documentary about it with Eric Limarenko, our video Ooh, tech wow. that you met before. Yeah, we're going to do, uh, yeah, it, this stuff has to be brought out. And I sure. love watching it happen, you, no matter where you are. It's, you could turn here, it's MMA. You could turn here, it's a cooking show. You could turn, it doesn't matter because the one thing is the same is humans. And all of us have something anomalous or miraculous or impossible or whatever. It's just we're taught not to give it importance. You and me, on the other hand, our very lives depend on it. We, we use it as like, okay, fine. You could say that, but watch this. And then- it's not about religion, though. It's about hope. It exactly. is about belief. Because uh, a month later, my other son, my other twin, they were like, yeah, look, uh, you know, we had to remove 75% of his small intestine. He'll never eat again. He'll never eat on his own. Colostomy bag. Yeah. And, and like yeah. that, they're like, that's the best case scenario. The, 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 the more likely scenario is that his liver fails. He doesn't whatever. They open him up to do the surgery. And we, we said to them, okay, they said, okay, he's only got 17 centimeters of his small intestine. He's going to need at least 38 to have an outside chance of ever eating on his own. And, you know, me emboldened by this word I hear was like, <laughs> well, doctor, can it just grow back over the next month before you open him up? Same, same situation with my other son. The guy's like it, medically impossible. They open him up for surgery. It had grown to exactly the minimum amount of centimeters it would have needed to have a shot at working. Doctor comes out of the surgery. And if you've ever been a parent of a kid in surgery, you're there all day in this room. You're just waiting. <sighs> they come, he goes, while I will not attempt to explain it, all I can say <laughs> is that somebody up there must love you a lot. Do you know wow. what that is? That moment is as, cause that didn't Oof. put us in the clear. That was just, even it's not gonna end today. Do you know what that moment yeah. does to sort of say, what in my life, have I just been yeah. taught to believe is irrational and impossible? Just taught that that isn't. That's it's, that's the. Well, here's you know, what I say to the rationalists. Fine to be totally left-brained. Let's just be left-brained. I'm going to go with you now as a left-brained person. And all we're going to do is analyze and measure and what we can put our finger on that's real. Well, we can put our finger on this right brain. It's right next to you. It's attached to me. What's that for? And it's half of the ball game. It's fully 50%. And so it brings me back to this um, uh, 
quote that I heard from, I think it was Jeffrey Kripal, who uh, <clears throat> he said, science is not wrong. It's just only half right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we need the other half. We were given the other half to verify the flaws of both things, right? Okay, yes, I can split the atom. I can make a nuclear bomb or I can make a microwave. The other side says, let's make the microwave and not the nuclear bomb, <laughs> right? You need to balance both things, right? I, sure. I, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't think our society is going to survive if we don't get, if we don't bring some legitimacy and respect back towards this other side. Yes. Because it's one thing to say how much we all need hope and vision and faith and belief and whatever word you want to say. But, you know, we're, we're sort of taught against that in every Absolutely. aspect, right? Schools, society, inter, you know, media. Well, church did really do a bad thing to religion. I mean, you know, they were skinning them alive and stuff. Yes. And so when they were finally able to get free of that, you know, they're justifiably <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> in fact all your stuff is just coming harm causing harm that and so they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater too because of their trauma which i get that trauma is real right but now we have to you know fortunately for the physicists they're being like hey uh apparently <laughs> these two atoms are doing things they shouldn't be doing and they call it spooky or you know it's like the big bang you know like it's all it's all because there's a certain point where it becomes extremely unscientific and you just need to have a miracle. The Big Bang's one example of that and spooky action at a distance is another, you know, but I think it's coming back together, hopefully. Pantheon Media presents Comes a Time featuring Mike Fenoya and Oteil Burbridge. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Ferrioli. Produced and edited by Eric Limarenko and Stu Silverman. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Comes a Time with Mike Fenoya and Oteil Burbridge. Be sure to follow the pod on social media, YouTube, and if you're jonesing for bonus episodes and exclusive content, go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 